0: Well, this past year has given us a lot of opportunities to change up our normal routines and rhythms, and if you are anything like me and my family, one of the things that we have spent a little bit more time doing maybe than we would like is we've uh, been watching a little more TV (laughs) than we anticipated. As we were browsing through shows a couple months ago, we came across a show put on by ABC called What Would You Do? Now, in this show, it came out like 15 years ago or so, and it kind of reminded me almost of Candid Camera. There would be a hidden camera stationed and then a couple of actors who are creating a situation that may just be a little tough to navigate, a little awkward for those bystanders who are walking around. So, for example, in one of the episodes, there's an actor who's pretending like it's his first day on the job as uh, someone working the front desk at a hotel. So there's a line of people waiting to get checked into this hotel, and he explains it's his first day, but over the course of 10 minutes, and then 15 minutes, and then 20 minutes, he's messing up their reservations, and the credit card number is wrong, and there's just a whole variety of issues. And you watch to see how, how do these customers navigate it? How do they respond when they're in that frustrating situation? There is was another, another episode where there's an actress again, who's pregnant and she's in a parking lot and she's down on the ground trying to change a flat tire. And there's just this camera (laughs) that's hidden asking what do the bystanders do? Do they walk around and pretend like they didn't see her? Do they offer to help her and get down on the ground? When I was watching it, I was like, I could offer to call AAA for her, but that's about all I've got (laughs) in that situation. But it asked this question, what do you do? When presented with a dilemma, when presented with a tough situation, what do you do? And that's what we're going to be asking ourselves this morning, too, as we get into the story of Jesus. We are meeting Jesus at a particular point in the gospel, and at this point, it's a turning point for his ministry. So when we meet him here, we're going to ask ourselves, what would I do? We've been in the sermon series that is giving Jesus different names. It's who do you say that I am? So we talked about what it means to call him merciful, to call him good. Today we're going to talk about what it means to call Jesus prophet. And when we meet Jesus as prophet, we're going to ask ourselves that question, what will we do? Now, when I say the word prophet, I'm not sure what comes to mind for you. Maybe a person with a crystal ball who can see the future or uh, someone who lives out in the desert with like long scraggly hair. Um, For those of you who maybe are fans of Harry Potter, maybe Professor Trelawney comes to mind. I don't know, just as a possibility. These are different images of prophets. But what we find when we go deep in scripture and into the Old Testament is that prophets are sometimes future tellers but all the time prophets are truth-tellers. Prophets look at the world around themselves and they name the truth of what they see. Prophets are truth-tellers. We have been using these journal Bibles to study the Gospel of Mark. If you don't have one of these, go ahead and raise your hand and our ushers will bring you a copy. But we are gonna be in Mark 11 today and I would love to have you join me uh, in Mark 11, verses one through 10 And they went away, and they found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before... And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David. Hosanna in the highest. This is a celebratory moment. This is a big moment for Jesus. And in the life of our church, normally on a Palm Sunday during non-COVID times, we would all have palm branches that we would be waving. We have had a donkey in here in past years. It's been an issue at times. <laughs> but we, we often have kids running through the sanctuary. There's a big party happening because we are witnessing a celebration in Scripture. As I was thinking about the size of this celebration that we're watching the image that came to mind was um, from the 1987 uh, world series win when the twins won the world series this is what happened in downtown minneapolis it filled the streets filled because people were so excited that the twins had won so it's fair for us to ask why was everyone so excited at this point in the passage why was everyone so excited about jesus They were excited, and they were rushing out for this big triumphal entry, both because of what Jesus had done for them and because of their hope about what Jesus would do for them. Jesus at this point is at what I would like to call kind of the height of his teaching and miracle and healing tour in the gospel. For multiple chapters now, he has been healing and he's been teaching about this kingdom that's coming. And he actually had just finished healing a blind man named Bartimaeus. And those very people who are gathered with him on the road waving those palm branches, they witnessed that healing of the blind man They're amazed at what he has been doing. So they're excited about what he has been doing. But also, the specific request that Jesus makes of his disciples in verses 2 and 3, when he tells them to go into this village to find a cult that no one has ever sat on, to bring it to him, and if someone questions you, this is exactly what you say. All of these things may seem oddly specific, But what they are doing is they are pointing to a passage in the Old Testament, to a prophecy in the book of Zechariah. And that prophecy inspired a hope that Jesus was going to be a king and he was going to usher in a season of peace. This is why the crowds are shouting that word, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us. They are filled with a deep hope that Jesus is going to save them. To understand this hope a little better, we need to go into the passage in Zechariah a little bit deeper. So if you have full Bibles or if you have a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and open that up. We are going to Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Zechariah here is describing a salvation bringer who will enter into Jerusalem and proclaim a season of peace, the end of war, the end of power struggle, the end of conflict. Now a quick aside, if you have been in the church for a long time and you've had many Palm Sundays, at some point you may have heard that this messianic figure that the Jews were waiting for, that he would be a military leader and that they were expecting him to ride in on a big horse and have a huge military procession. And so therefore when Jesus rides in on a donkey and he dies a week later, he subverts those expectations that they had But actually, if we look at Zechariah, the Messiah that Zechariah is foretelling and foreshadowing, he prophesies that that Messiah will ride in on a donkey, on a non-military animal, and that he would bring peace. This is why people got so excited. Because Jesus wasn't subverting their expectations. He was fulfilling this hoped-for messianic role of a peace bringer who would usher in a new era for them. They got deeply excited, both about these healings and miracles that Jesus was doing and about their hope that he would be the one to do this Hosanna work of saving them. So this celebration on Palm Sunday is one that is filled with joy and excitement because of what Jesus has been doing and what he would do what we see at this point though is that the people who have gathered on the road are excited about what jesus is doing for them and what they don't know in this moment is that jesus is going to invite them in into a participatory role that he is going to call them out into relationship with him and that they would have a role in following with him What I see often happening in our own lives of faith and in my own life of faith is that it can be easy to celebrate and praise Jesus when I see him at work in my life. But then that next step is the harder one to take, to enter into relationship with Jesus and to maybe step in to carrying a cross. Christian Smith was a sociologist at the University of North Carolina, and he studied teens and adults' God images, the way that they understand God. And what he found is that as he interviewed people about their conceptions of God, that one of the images that was most prominent across the board was that of a divine butler. Get a little uncomfortable just even saying it. A divine butler. It can be easy for us to get into this kind of relationship though where we call upon God to enter in. We ask him to serve us over and over again. And this is worthwhile. We are meant to present our requests before God, and we are meant to praise and celebrate him when he fulfills them. If you are a student or a kid, and you have a big test coming up that you're nervous about, and you find that when you show up for the test after praying about it, you feel a deeper sense of peace, and you feel like it went well, we praise God for that. Or if you uh, are waiting for a big promotion at work and that comes through, we are meant to praise God for that. Or if uh, you're waiting for an apartment to open up in a senior living community, and it does, we praise God as we present requests before him. He answers and is often so amazing and faithful. These are those moments that if we were on that show, what would you do? I think all of us would be grabbing our palm branches. We would be praising, and we do praise when God shows up. But as great as it is, when God shows up and answers our prayers, Jesus didn't come to earth to be our butler. As we go into Holy Holy Week, we will learn that he came to be our Savior. Jesus came to be our savior and salvation requires more than us just stepping back and receiving. It requires sacrifice and it requires transformation, active participation in our faith. This is where we meet Jesus as our prophet today, as our truth teller. As he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, he doesn't even say a word. But Jesus in this moment is retelling Zechariah's truth that God will save his people. Jesus had warned his followers on three different occasions that he was going to suffer and die and be raised again. And he told them that if people were going to follow him, they would need to take action. And so I want us to go a little deeper into this. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. It says, if anyone would come after me, Jesus says, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's, we'll save it Jesus pushes back against a transactional relationship where he serves as our butler and providing for our earthly needs because he knows that through these miracles and through these answered prayers, those are just a surface symbol of the deeper transformation that he offers us. Jesus tells his disciples that as their savior, they will need to walk with him. And if we were on that show, that what would you do show, this is the point where I think the tension builds a little bit. The heat is turned up here. Because it isn't as easy to follow Jesus when we are needing to carry our cross. That's what we're asking today. Do we wave our palm branches and celebrate and praise Jesus for the good work that he's doing in our lives? And then as we lay them down, do we pick up our crosses? Do we choose to carry our cross with him this week? so that jesus can offer us true and everlasting and resurrected life that he came to offer theologian dallas willard framed it this way he said that jesus didn't die on the cross so that we don't have to he died on the cross so that we would join him this is a very different image than that butler, God, giving us what we want and cheering and having a big celebration because he, he gave us what we wanted and what we asked for. Jesus the prophet teaches us that we have a participatory role in praising him, worshiping him, and then following him. It's fair for us to ask, what does this look like, especially this week? What does it look like for us to take up our crosses and follow Jesus? And this is the question that has been asked since Jesus was here on the earth. The Apostle Paul was one of the first people to write about Jesus after his death and resurrection, and he framed it this way in the book of Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's pretty simple. He says, more of Jesus, less of me. More of Jesus, less of me. In every area of my life, more of Jesus, less of me. This means more of Jesus in how we spend our leisure time. More of Jesus in how we spend our money. More of Jesus in how we talk to and love our family and friends and neighbors. More of Jesus, less of me. One of our missions partners is Pars Theological Seminary, and they train and equip pastors to advance the church in Iran. They had a pastor back in 1994 who was active and at work in his faith, and he was martyred. His name was Reverend Tateos Michellian. He was martyred in 1994. Two months before his death, he was asked to contribute to a new translation of the Bible. And I thought his response framed the posture we are meant to have as we carry our crosses. He said, I'm ready and thankful to give it all I can. This meant that he gave half of his salary to advance the church and to help those who were poor, and he spent his time translating scripture so that more people could read it, and he shared his faith with people who had never heard of it before. And it may be easy for us, sitting here in Edina, to say, oh, well, he lived on the other side of the world, and he was a pastor, and he lived in a place that that was uh, more persecuted than what we face, and so therefore, that doesn't apply to me. But his posture was one in which he was dying to himself long before his death ever happened. He was saying more of Jesus, less of me. In taking up our crosses, Jesus calls us to be ready and thankful to give it all that we can in the places where he has located us. When we call Jesus prophet, we are invited to respond to his truth. This isn't necessarily comfortable. It isn't as easy or as fun as having a celebration and waving palm branches and cheering. That is the first step for us. And then it requires sacrifice and following. But the beautiful thing that happens when we do this over the course of our lives, when we get into a habit of saying yes to Jesus, more of Jesus over and over again, is that it actually shapes us. It shapes and transforms who we are. We have a member of our church whose father passed away on Friday. And as he was sharing about his father... He said that over the last few weeks, while he was, he had been in memory care for quite a while and then in hospice care. And during those final weeks, what they heard his father doing was praying himself to sleep each night. This was a man who had lived a deep life of faith and had raised his family to know and follow Jesus. He had said a whole lot of yeses to Jesus over the course of his life. And so as he went into the final weeks of his life, what they heard him saying was forgive me jesus forgive me jesus forgive me jesus forgive me jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus this is how he prayed himself to sleep each night because that's what happens when we say yes to jesus Over and over again, when we say more of Jesus, less of me, more of Jesus, less of me, we find Jesus's resurrected life living within us. Today, we are meeting Jesus the prophet, the truth proclaimer, in the midst of this Palm Sunday triumphal entry, and we have the opportunity to say, Hosanna, save us, Jesus. We worship and we praise you. We have the chance to lay down our palm branches and in doing so to take up our crosses and follow with him this week as we go in to the rest of the week i want us to take a little bit of time right now i'm going to invite the band up to rest and to reflect on where you're at where is your heart at as we go in to holy week as we prepare to witness Jesus's death on Friday and his new resurrection on Sunday. Our two questions are, where is your heart as we enter this week? And what does it mean for you to take up your cross and follow Jesus this week?